Hey, this is Duncan King's X, and you're listening to Scott and Richie on Focus on Metal. Miss Groovy with y'all. Hey, Metalheads, welcome to another edition of Focus on Metal, back here in the studio with... Me. Yeah, and uh, of course, this week, got a great guest, kind of gives us the uh, King's X trifecta, but in an end run, different kind of thing, that uh, we've uh, we've already had two of the guys from King's X on, and uh, finally finish it up this week with Doug Pinnock. Yeah, Jerry twice. Yep, that's true. Um, after one heart attack and after, <laughs> after another one. <laughs> yep, uh, and, and of course... And- Tell you with the discography yep. episode a few years ago, right? And of course, now we got Doug on this week talking about uh, the new KXM record, and I know they've been getting a lot of a lot of social media coverage about that, and uh, we're about to add to that. Yeah, what do you think of the album? Um, actually, I thought it was pretty good. There was um, some a lot of varied stuff in there, and it was interesting. The way I was listening to it was rather than listening to the whole CD, like one song after another that I threw a bunch of new stuff all on Wanna Drive and I just kind of been letting it shuffle. So almost like a palate cleanser between stuff. So, And, of course, when the songs come up, you kind of identify and kind of look over and go, okay, KXM song. But you kind of have a different way of thinking about it as you're listening to them as one-offs instead. And, you know, like that one that you talked to them about, like Calypso, that's definitely very different, interesting, oh, yeah. you know. But then there's other ones that are in there that are um, – Almost like an evolved lynch mob was how I got it. Like the last, last two of them I heard was kind of a. I was like, wow, this could really be a lynch mob song. Yeah, just th- with a little extra twist once Doug starts singing. There's certain things that George has done that I'm not a fan of. Uh-huh. I'm not a fan of the Souls of We record and the Smoke This album I didn't like. <laughs> but some of his other solo stuff to me has been a little bit hit or miss. Yeah, um, I really do like this. Um, the only thing I. I, I'd say that is against it and I, I, I mentioned it to Doug it's a little bit too long you're, you're lo- it's well over an hour and you, you know in this day and age with the attention spans yeah. of people they're, they're not, they're not going to listen to over an hour of music and it's it's so varied as well uh-huh. it, it it really is one of these like five or six listens before you even get to grips yeah. with half of it see I wasn't I, I guess I kind of missed that because of how I listened to it so it, it never appeared to be an hour I just like put a whole bunch of stuff on a thumb drive and I've let it shuffle. So I didn't really get that, but you're probably right. If I was going to just pop it in like that, um, especially a first listen where you're, you don't know any of the material really, except for maybe the three songs they put out as, as I guess you'd call them singles. Um, it probably would have seemed long for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I have to say that I think George's playing is really good on it. Yeah. Um, he, is, he just has his signature sound. You just know it's him. There's yeah. not many guitarists yeah. like that. Eddie Van Halen would be one, and you know George would be another. You just know it's him playing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, again, you know, it comes up and you you hear that, and you and you're like, all right, George, and you look over. Yeah, KXM. It's it is pretty identifiable. Some of it is the modes he plays in, some of his his note choices, and uh, but yeah, he's always had this signature thing, and I remember too. For a long time, um, you know, me and one of the other guitar players in the band were always like trying to get that George Lynch sound. You'd be so happy the day you'd like think you got it. Yeah. You know, and the other guy would be like, nah, nah. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. And, and it, uh, 
it's one of those things you just have to go through of, of trying to chase somebody else's sound and you get really happy when you get it. Same kind of thing the day I like thought I nailed like Richie Blackmore's sound. It was like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, you kind of have to be your own player too. But yeah. yeah, just it is. You're right though. He has got a really identifiable tone. Amazing when you go back and think of some of the albums when he first was known for that. And he was, you know, borrowing people's, you know, Marshall heads and things like that, even using his own stuff to do it. So it's really coming out of his fingers. Yeah. You know? And it really does sound as well like it's an album that's three guys in a room jammed. Yeah. And I think that's the way they did this. Yeah. They, I think the first album as well, they went off somewhere for like a week or two weeks mm-hmm. and just to treat them and just brought in all their ideas and then just jammed them all out. It's, yeah, it's, like I said, I like it. It's a good sounding album. I mean, it's something I don't think I'd play it like every day type of thing. Uh, but it's definitely pretty cool. You know, good lyrics from Doug too as well. And uh, I have always liked his playing in his voice anyway. So, you know, to hear him do something like this, you do have little touches of, uh, of like uh, King's X in there, but not, you know, with Ray drumming, it's, it's not the same dynamic as oh, Jerry, no. you know, no, Ray, uh, Ray's, um, Ray's a little bit busier around the kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And, uh, and then George just, yeah, has a different, um, he just kind of plays in a different tonal range than than Ty does. But then you realize how much of that tonal range of King's X songs comes from Doug's voice. Oh, yeah, of course it does. You know, when you, when you layer in, you know, that bass and then Ty's guitar on that, too, it just it just has a whole different tonality to it. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, I I love that Doug is doing all these projects and, and Ty, did, I saw Ty Jelly Jam and, you know, Jerry did his solo album. Yeah. King's X, come on, <laughs> make another album. Yeah. Enough of this side project Well, bullshit. but Doug, Doug does talk about it too. I you know, I know. It, so. It's been 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> They're busy. They're busy. Doug is anyway. But it's, I mean, you think about it though, it's pretty good, right? That, that uh, they go off and they do all these other things and, and it probably cross-pollinates and comes back to King's X and you get little bits and pieces of things and it develops a band in a different way. It'd be interesting to see now if King's X come out with another album, what it'll actually sound like. It's been so long since they did one. Yeah. Will it just be three guys going back into the studio? And They're playing lots of live shows. Yeah. Just Is it just going to be the three guys in it's like riding a bike again and Probably. Easy, easily enough, here we go, album number Probably. Yeah. whatever it is, 12 or 13? Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past 13. them, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, Talented as fuck. Oh, I know that. You know? Doug is 66. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. The guy still sounds incredible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. And, and and brings it live, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know. And, hey, and but Hold on. What, um, their debut album was 88. So Doug was 36 when that came out. He's been playing for a long time. And I know, but yeah. like normally these guys are like 22, 23, you know, yeah. maybe 25, 26. He was already nearly 40 when the debut album came out. Good for him. Mm, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, also, I mean, the, the fact that he's, I mean, he's guy's in incredible shape. And, you know, bass, you really have to have the forearm strength to to do the kind of bass he does as well. And he still brings it. It's, a, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, he is a good player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's underrated as a bass player. I think a lot of people, um, you know, they rate him highly as a vocalist. Yep, yeah. But uh, he's a very good bass player. Yeah, yeah. But he's got a lot of endorsement stuff from some of the European guys and things. So, yeah, he's he's pretty well known. Yeah, yeah and he plays a lot live. Yeah. He's always out, out and about playing yeah. live in the studio and everything. So, you know, good for him. Oh, yeah. good. For, and George is always out there. Ray, I think, is in Europe playing with Korn. 
Yeah. With uh, Robert Trujillo's, uh, do you hear about that? No. I think it's Robert Trujillo's son, 12 years of age, is going to be playing pace with corn. So. <laughs> it is not, it's not April 1st, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good for him. Just like the classic video for Judas Priest breaking the law, it's time to break into Focus on Metal's Vintage Vault. There's a couple of things um, I bring to your attention. Uh, show, pull back the curtain a little bit about the, sh- uh, the show. Um, <clears throat> I've been trying to get this guy on that I interviewed last year. I'm not going to name names here. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. And um, so we both got sent the album. You should, it's automatically you should know who I'm talking about. And I interviewed the guy at a show in Boston here last year. Uh-huh. Right. And um, I have his phone number. Yeah. Right. And the way this normally works is, you know, you go through the PR companies, sure. the PR company yeah. sets them up, even though we have all, a lot of the phone numbers, yeah. we normally don't go directly to them. Right. And um, so for about a month, I've been trying to schedule the singer yeah. to come on. Yeah. We've, we've had the album about a month. You've, I think you've had it like two weeks. And um, <clears throat> so I've been sending the guy emails. Yeah. And... I get an email yesterday to say that I've been copied to another PR guy who's going to set up the interview. So I have the guy's number, yeah. right? And I have to go through two PR co- companies to get the guy to come on the phone. 
How the fuck does that make <laughs> sense? And, and, and you know what? Um, but I think by the time this airs, the band are getting ready to go to Europe. So yeah. we're fucked anyway. It's not going to happen, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I'm, I'm half tempted to text them. Not to tell them what's going on. Just yeah. to say, blah, blah, blah. I met you last year. We want to get you on. Yeah. Um, will you, you know, any chance you can come on and yeah. we'll, we'll do an interview with you. But I don't want to piss off the PR guys either. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, you've talked to some other guys who also do shows. And you've heard stories back from them, right? Yeah. Of of when they've done tried to do similar routes of, and 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 not to be like you know screw you type of thing, but just you know a lot of times it's because, and in this case for you, it's because you really like the band, and you like the music, and I think you do as well. Yeah. Though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 you just want to make sure that they can get promoted in every possible exactly. outlet that, that they can. Exactly. And so it's it has nothing to do with sour grapes or nothing like that at all. No. It's really all about all I want to do is help, all I want to do is get the right. guy on the phone to guys, help promote you, his you know music. The guy's a good guy. You've sat down, you've had multiple beers with him. Yeah. You know, you, you know he's not bullshitting. So and and it's all it's all for good a, a good thing. Um but again, you've talked to other guys on some of the other shows now and you see that they have the same kind of stories that it's funny though too because right the like the guy that that I've got a problem with one of the other guys he's got a problem with the guy I've got no problem with yes right I, and, that's the way it works and but it's but it's similar things right I mean I was trying to get um, again somebody that we've got their number and they, and they were like yeah he's my number just give me a call and and whenever you want to talk let me know well come on and the, and having the PR guy go oh absolutely not. And and then you end up having to play ball with that because that's because the they PR handle everybody guy, else. The PR guy gets paid. Yeah, when he schedules yeah. the guy to come on our show. Yeah, that's and, the way and, it works. And even that one, right? I mean, this was a guy, a, a PR guy that we never worked with before, and I had gone to like say, "Hey, this is what we do. We'd like you to get credit for this." I could easily go to the other guy. I'm going to you, to, so we can have a relationship too, and just trying to be a, a good shit about it, and basically get treated like crap for it now since then he's actually worked well with you so again yeah. it's like so yeah one, I'm, you. I'm, hold on i'm one for one well, oh yeah okay but still, <laughs> i'm owing one right so yeah. it is and, and the thing is is we don't have like a you know we don't have a giant magazine machine like some of the guys we have coming on about kerrang we don't have a, a big machine behind us either no. right so but a lot of podcasts are like that yeah you know a lot of a lot of the money you put in is your own money yeah um all the time is your own time. Um, you, you know, you're not you're not going to make anything out of it. The yeah. reason we do it is because we love the music and we have the we have the wherewithal to be able to actually do this every week. Sure. Um, but the other the other band I was offered, and this this one now really does annoy me. Um, I love this band. The singer, I'm, I, you you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, the singer is one of my favorite new rock singers. Uh huh. Right. They're an East Coast band, right? Uh-huh. And they're, they're releasing their third album in June. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say, right? Um, I got an email the other day and um, that the guitar player and the singer are doing interviews early next week and here are the times. Yeah. Right? There's no new music. I haven't heard, it, I haven't heard a note of it. Yeah. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, why would I want to interview the singer or the guitar player about an album I haven't heard a note of? Yeah. They'll know within five seconds that I haven't heard any of it. And, sure. I, and I asked for new music yeah. before I, I even attempted the schedule. Yeah. And I got no reply. 
and I'm thinking, what sort of PR company does that? Right. You're trying to promote the artist and you're not providing the interviewer with anything to listen to. <laughs> That's just fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you do have, you do run into that occasionally. Sometimes it just, it's weird though, because usually it's for like a bigger band, you know, or a band that used to be a bigger band and they're really holding it like close to the vest. Yeah, you but know. normally you have you might you might have, you might have two or three songs. You yeah. know, it's not it's not that you'll ever have nothing. We had Jerry Gaskell on, yeah, and we heard one song, and he knew we only heard one song, right? And he knew when we were talking to him that we couldn't talk about the rest of the record, yeah. And I hate doing that because sure. I, I even hate get, the the downloads are fine, but sometimes when you get the physical product, this stuff and the liner notes, yeah, uh, that you'll see that, and, you, and you, after the interview when you get the physical product, you go. Fuck! Yep. I wanted to ask oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. That all, nearly always happens. Yeah, yeah, and of course, the worst—I well, don't know. My opinion: the worst is, um, and we only have, I think, one person that does this with us is the streaming. I never. Because I'll have, I'll have one. I'll, you know, because we'll, sometimes we have multiple sources for single labels, but I've got one guy that it's always streaming, which is like, ugh, what the hell? Because I, I like to be able to. Burn it, listen to it in the car, yeah. you know, or or whatever it is. But when you're streaming it, now you're basically stuck sitting in front of a computer listening to it, which isn't really the most conducive and best way to listen to something. You 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 kind of want to be, you know, like I like I love listening to music when I'm driving. It's it's I'm very receptive to it when when you do it. But when you're like, okay, I'm trapped here in front of this, it's almost like. Sometimes you get some of the journalists talk about going to uh, preview albums and like having to go to New York and go to like a hotel room or whatever. And they put the tape on in front of them. They got to sit there with the PR guy staring at them mm. or the band staring at them while they listen to this like for the first time. Like it's horrible. Like you're, it's, you're trapped listening to it. And that's not a really good way to listen to music. No, definitely know? not. Um, it's the way we used to. Listen to music <laughs> years ago, but um, yeah, I like to listen to it in the car. Put it on, you know, put it on my headphones, you know, yeah. and bring the dog for a walk or something like that. But um, my God, give it, give me, give the guy, give us some new music to talk to the guy about. Sure. Yeah, you know what? All I have is what have I got? I have the I have the titles of the songs and the album cover. <laughs> Fucking boring. Thing is, though, right is. For some outlets, they'll do that, right? They'll. St We've always kind of had a thing, right? Of we're going to talk to an author. We've read the book. We we talk to an artist. We want to have listened to something on the album, and it's never been like because I know you you hate it too. Whenever we very rarely will listen to the radio, you listen to a DJ, listen to someone, talk to someone. They haven't read the book. They haven't listened to the album. They've got no idea what the fuck they're talking about. They don't ask much about any of the actual thing that they're interviewing them about. They talk about something with past history that they might know about. Well, that's not what the artist is there for. That's not what the author is there for. Like, come on. If you, if you were the guitar player or the singer next week, right, and I think they've got four-hour slots, can you imagine how pissed off they're going to be within the first hour? Yeah. Because they'll know. Right. Now... Don't get me wrong. Maybe the, maybe the music is is going to be sent out. Yeah. 
between now and then, but it wouldn't surprise me if, yeah. if it wasn't. Well, I didn't get any. Yeah. Um, all I can all I can do is speak for myself. But if if none of them are getting any new music, that's terrible for the artists. Sure, it is terrible. Yeah. Because they're they're spending four hours of their time trying to promote something and talking to a guy that's heard none of it. Sure. And then think you about like I mean? think about a show dumb. like 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 Decibel Geek, right? Where not only on the show, but they've also got a huge website presence. They do a lot of album and show reviews. Yeah. So being asked to do an album review with the song titles and the album cover. How about that poor bastard? He isn't even going to have a discourse with the artist. Like, how, how does a show like that help you promote your album? If they've that, got nothing. And they do a great job over there with, mm -hmm. the, with the reviewers that they've got. Like, that, that's the interview where if you, I was doing it, I would be, what was this like? How was the, what was your producer like? Yeah. Because you would have nothing to ask the guy about. Yeah. What are you going to talk to him about? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, let's, let me, let's talk How's about your first record. Make your third album. Let's talk about your first record. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, I heard that. Is this any different like, than your first yeah, one? <laughs> I, like the, I, like, I like the first one. I like the second one. <laughs> Is this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Click. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if some... some people are new to it or they're just not adapting to the current way that things get promoted I've, I've got no idea you want to get someone to do a review or an interview send them the music then schedule yeah and then job done yeah. and if the interviewer fucks it up that's on the interviewer uh, okay and that's a good point because I was going to say well there's going to be I'm sure there's lots of people out there who will just not even listen to it right and and then do the interview you know that there's people out there like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, me, I, I mean, and you too. You, we we like to listen to it, find out what it's about, and, and form some opinions and, and have something to talk about. Yeah, know? yeah. So speaking of albums, um, around the time we're doing this, uh, two massive albums, British heavy metal albums, were released on April the 14th, 1980. Can you guess the two of them? On the same day. Dead air. Yeah. Nope. British Steel and Iron Maiden's debut were released on the same day in 1980. Oh, okay. So. I've got them both on vinyl. I know. <laughs> no, I, I can't say what the US. That was US, a long time ago. <laughs> I can't say what the US states were, but... um. Could you make the argument that the two of them are the band's best albums? Uh, Can you make the argument? I'm not saying, you, you probably don't agree, but if someone said to you... British Steel is one of my top Priest albums. Um, and I've, I've listened to the fuck out of that album. Um, big influence. That probably is one of my top Priest albums. I know a lot of people out there... They're, you know, they're going to talk about like Defenders and, and you know, and I totally understand that. And those are great albums too. But for 1980, for what was out there prior and the impact that album made, oh, man, that's just, yeah, that was pretty much a seminal album. And it, it's funny because um, right now I'm reading um, Martin's new book, uh, Hit the Lights. Oh, you the got story it. of Thrash. Yeah. Excellent. I love that next. And uh, <laughs> so I've been spending lunch reading that. 
And it's amazing the number of people that in there, now that you bring this up, that talk about that album. Um, it's funny, Dave Lombardo actually quotes the wrong last song on the album. It's like, no, it's not that. <laughs> but uh, it's like, it's all right. It's, it's Dave Lombardo. He's allowed. He's, record, he's recorded probably 500 songs. But uh, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. That's That was just... Yeah, just an incredible like watershed album for them. Um and, and yeah, I think that Maiden's first one I don't think I almost think that their second one made a bigger impact than their first one did. And I and I think it's because of possibly just because of distribution. That it got out more by the time the second one that even some of the smaller outlets that you wouldn't have expected to find that album in had it. Well, the second one was the first with Martin Birch, wasn't it? And Adrian. Yeah. Um, I think people think the second one had better songs. I know the band think the yep. better songs. I just remember that. Yeah. Headmaster I, Martin Birch. I know, I know uh, Steve Harris has never been happy with the way the first album sounded. Yeah. But the songs on it's, the first was album. More, it was more, it had, it had more of the, of the, Kind of the punky Diano influence to it, more of the more of the new album do-it-yourself ethic to it as well, which I like that part of it. But yeah, I I I don't know, and it's probably a little different over in Europe. But I never really remember seeing that first one like in the bins. But the second one, I found it in the bin when it came out in the bin in a freaking drugstore in Maine. <laughs> what were you doing in Maine? Well, my grandparents lived in Maine. Oh, fair enough. So it was like the Sunday morning, like, okay, we're going to go get the paper. I'm like, can I go? Because I'm bored as fuck. Sure, your hangover. And uh, and just like, I walked in, I'm like, and of course that was the, oh shit, <laughs> I got to get this. Of course, I couldn't hear it for the rest of the weekend. I'm just like waiting to get home to hear it. It's, but it looked so awesome. But yeah, it was in a freaking, that, that was the distribution it had. Um, and even remember getting back and going back to like the local, there was a record store in Chelmsford, um, down near the center and going and looking and like, they still didn't have the first one there. And that guy had freaking everything there. I just, I just think that the distribution helped it. And I think like you said, sonically it helped it. And, uh, I, I just, I don't know. That's my take. I think it had that steel had a little more impact than the first maiden did. Yeah. But, can you make the argument it's like Maiden having, you know, it's their best album? No, that's not their best Maiden album. No. So a lot of, well, I know the old school fans, you know, oh, once a singer, who's it, Jay? Once a oh, singer leaves once the a band, they're done. Well, and then, done. And then yeah. Maiden did Number the Beast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, no, I, I, I don't listen I don't to Diano as much as Dickinson anyway, but you can't argue with that. The song, the, the songs on the first album, like it's got Phantom of the Opera, it's got Strange World, Prowler. Jesus, those songs are for a first album. Songs are amazing. Well, sure, but but Steve had a lot of time to write those songs too. Yeah, right. Years. That's the thing, right? And they'd say it, right? You got your whole life to write your first album. Yeah, and then you've got well, in the seventies, then you had six months to write your second one. And I mean, he had all that time to write that, and they. And they vetted that out and they were, you know, playing all those live and they they were able to really kind of hone those down to what worked and what didn't because they could see what the crowd was liking. And um, so I could see why they have some some really good songs there. But I guess part of it is, 
I guess maybe it's a little revisionist history of seeing everything else that they've done and looking back and going, was that really stand as their best? That if I had to choose one, I was going to take that one. No, I wouldn't though. That's the thing. Hmm. I think one of the other thing you can say about the Maiden album, um, it might have sold a few extra copies because if you had had a Judas Priest fan going in, that cover for the Maiden album would have grabbed you and oh, hell made, yeah. made you gone, oh, yeah. fuck, I'll, I'll have that one yeah, as well. That was that one. That's what grabbed me on the second one was, holy crap, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah, my parents aren't going to like you that. Know, I'll have that, thank you. <laughs> I, I, was, I mean, I can remember going home Sunday night, listening to that thing and being like, holy shit. And then bringing it in to school. So that would have been what my sophomore junior year, bringing it in, and people thought I was like the freaking devil. Like people didn't even want to look at that cover. And I think back to it, and I'm thinking it's fucking ridiculous. But people were like scared to be with me with that album. <laughs> like what the hell? How, how times have changed. You know? Yeah, I I was <laughs> like the lone metalhead kid, uh, but yeah, uh, it definitely had an effect, but. Yeah, first one being the, being the best. Um, no, I think again, Steel. I mean, if I listen to a song from from Steel, my brain already starts to put into gear the next song that's coming, and then it's like, wait a minute, isn't that song? Oh, that's right, I'm not listening to the album, but like that that album was just like baked into my brain. The songs on British Steel are great. The yeah. only thing I don't like is the drummer. The drumming on it stuck. It's, uh, yeah. And just the whole, I mean, I, it, I mean, even, you know, a couple of years ago when they did the anniversary tour, I was so psyched. I was going to see, hear the whole, whole album in its entirety, mm. including The Rage. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, I'm going to hear The Rage live. Yeah, but you, know? you don't have to be old to be wise. They wouldn't have played that much, would they? No, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have played that much. Either. Yeah, it's all living after midnight rapid fire. Well, yeah, it's but you never, heard, you never heard The Rage. Or United. Oh, United all the time. It was an anthem. Yeah, but did they play that live a lot? Oh, yeah. It must have been really around British Steel, but not in not in the late eighties. I don't remember. No, that not in the, the late eighties. No, no, anything like that. But um, yeah, great album. Two great albums. Good day for metal. That. Yeah, I can't fucking argue with <laughs> April the fourteenth, nineteen eighty. No, no, you know.
But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up because uh, you know two seminal albums. Yeah. Jesus Christ! One one of the bands became the biggest metal band in the world, and the other one is probably their, their best album. And they're still they're not as big as Maiden Priest, but but the other thing that's that's it's about those two bands too is in that time period they were both bands that unabashedly called themselves a metal band. Yeah, that's true. Right? Because there's a lot of bands out there that were still like, no, no, we're hard rock. Both of those bands were always we're metal. Always. Yeah, but did Harris say that or did Diano say it? No, they both said it. They both said it that they're a heavy metal band. Okay. You know, it's always been like, they're always been proud of of being that, which is Mm. great. Um, You know, that was something that, yeah, I just remember a lot of bands were can't really include Lemmy in that because he was rock and roll, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I yeah, hell of a day then, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't realize they were both the same day. No, I've been keeping an eye on that sort of stuff. It's like holy shit, that album was released the yeah. last day, and actually uh, on the same day, Diver Down was released. Huh. Fourteen minutes of original material, <laughs> eighteen minutes of covers. Yeah, those were actually one of the Van Halen albums I didn't get like right away. The summer ama- little guitars is amazing. Hang him high. I saw him do uh when I saw him in the garden a few years ago they did Hang Him High. Uh-huh. I think Rot said it's the first time they've done it since like the mid eighties. Huh. Yeah, if that was one of the ones like the others, they came out, it was like that day, boom, got it. For some reason, Diver Down. Yeah, it it was probably about six months before I got it. Of course, my buddy John, he had it and we were you know, we're playing it all the time. That's probably another reason I was like, Oh, all right. And like you said, a lot of covers, old school stuff and things like that. And it was kind of like a, like kind of thrown together. Not quite like some of the others. Well, fair you know? warning, the one before oh, it was so warning. dark. Yeah. It was an amazing it was, record. It was great. Frankly. Amazing. That's probably Sunday one, afternoon one, yeah. in the park. Like, amazing. Oh, wow. And then they come out with Oh Pretty Woman <laughs> dancing in the street. It was, but yeah, oh, yeah, fair warning is, yeah, that's Happy Trails. <laughs> yeah, that and then Woman and Children First. Yeah. Actually, all of that. Initial stuff was just insanely great. The first really six albums are, yeah, unreal, unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. So you had Van Halen. I don't think I don't know what else was released that day. I'm not going to look it up. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, no, I, I promise. Thing was too is I mean in '80, it wasn't like I had like tons of cash to go out and buy like I was nine multiple albums in one day type of thing either so it was kind of like save your money up and you get one it was very rare that I had like double opening day things back in black and, and live bootleg those were uh that was like an oddball both on the same day type of thing but yeah most of them was like when you could get it you know you got it mm. So, mm. and then you just absorb the shit out of it yeah and when I got a little bit older, then it was when same deal. And then it was like, uh, the day it's out, I'm getting. Yeah. Um, like it was one of the things I put on the Facebook page, the story, I told a little bit of a story on it about that Seventh Son was released in 88. And um, I was in school and we had an hour and 15 minutes for lunch. And um, I was about 20 minutes from the city centre. And m- myself and a friend of mine, we walked into the record shop uh, found the album, ran back, went into the music classroom. Uh-huh. The, the music, the, the guy who um, taught music was a Christian brother. Uh-huh. 
and I put the album on and of course halfway into Moonchild he opened the door what the hell is this <laughs> it's Iron Maiden you know <laughs> just turn it down lad just turn it down you know <laughs> So yeah, it's a certain memories like yeah. that are very, go very, very vivid. <laughs> no, no, black metal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Well, actually, what, I think another one. Some of the ones I put on in there. I think the New Order Testament was one, but he didn't come in about that. Um, Rain and Blood. I didn't put on. In there. <laughs> What's that song? Well, that would have been over Jesus. and done with before he got in there. Yeah, here, it's a Christian song. It's called Jesus Saves. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an angel song in the beginning. <laughs> Wait a few years. You'll have Christ illusion. You'll like that one too. Yeah. yeah you won't want to, I, even I won't want to listen to that. <laughs> oh, anyway, man. go on. We'll get into the interview. We'll yeah. So, so uh, yeah, great interview that uh, we had with Doug. And uh, if you haven't already done it, definitely go out and pick up the new KXM Scatterbrain. But uh, enough of our yakking on this one. Uh, here's our talk with Doug Pinnock. Yeah, how you doing? Okay, sorry, sorry, I didn't answer. I was doing the other interview and kind of talked a little too long. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. All right. So, so how are you doing? You doing well? You know, I'm doing great. Excellent, excellent. Well, I have to say that I've spoken to Ty before and Jerry before, and now I can say that I've spoken to all of King's X. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm here with my uh, my co-host Scott. 
Hey Doug, good to be talking to you finally. Hello. Are you still um are you still doing the, the is it the gigs at the Lucky Strike every every couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I did some hundreds uh, last night. Yeah. No, 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 I'm sorry, not the Lucky Strike. Uh, there's two of them now. There's one at the whiskey. Oh, okay. And that's that's the one I mainly go to now. Okay. But uh, but I, I haven't been back to Lucky Strike in a few weeks. I did something a few weeks ago, I think it was, but People ain't no sunshine because you're gone in superstition, I think. Yeah, and is is Chuck Wright still quarterbacking the one in the lucky strike? Um, pretty much. No, no, he's doing uh, the whiskey now. Oh, he's doing. Oh, he's in the whiskey. Oh, he's getting around as well. Yeah, everything's everything's changed. You know, it's LA things keep moving. Yeah, that must that must be great for you as a musician because you don't really know who you're playing with right up until the show, and it must be really good for you. That well, that well, we know it might be a few days ahead. Of you. But, um, you know, it, that's the reason I started doing it. But it's gotten to the point where now where people pick and choose and people request each other and stuff like that, which is cool, too. But I still kind of, when they say, Doug, you want to do something? I go, yeah, just hook me up. And I let them do it. And I, I just like it that way. And some people will say, man, I want to play with you. I want to do this. Or I'd like to play some, like, with somebody else. But, you know, at the end of the day, the whole point is I don't know who I'm playing with. And that's. That's the fun of it, you know, like getting get the fun of the people's lives, you know. Yeah, it must be nice that people are asking to play with you. Uh, dude, it's an honor, man. Are you crazy? Dude, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so let's get a, let's get into the new uh, the KXM album, Scatterbrain. Yeah. Um, did the success of the first album surprise you at all? Because it was probably the biggest album rap pack I've ever released. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that I do... If I have any success, I'm surprised. And so that when that happened, I'm going, wow, cool. Um, I was like a little kid in Kings to like when I first King's X like it came out, you know, people actually liked it and I was like, wow, cool. Um and um but I wish we could have toured. Uh, it would have been we could have maybe got a bigger following and more people would have known me some more records, not complaining. But uh and we can't tour because um with always with corn and you know what are you gonna do and and so all three of us you know have to juggle all our schedules around to do any shows and we haven't been able to do that yet but luckily we've been able to do records in a movie so i mean a video video so and we're happy with that yeah so so what was the mindset when you went in to do this one because this this record actually sounds like you went out on the road and you know you played a lot of shows together um you know, it's 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 definitely more varied. Like I, I could have called the album like no boundaries because stylistically, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this one than there than there was over the first one. That, that, that's um, that's about the only thing that we ever agreed on in the band as saying this is the law is there's no boundaries, and the other law, well, there's two laws in the band: no boundaries and nobody tells anybody what to do. You do what you feel like you should do in the song, and we, we trust. There's a there's a a layer of trust that we know we trust each other. We've been doing this for way too long, you know, to to not trust each other at this point. Um, and we've got reputation, so you know we don't want to put crap out. So we just trust each other and hope that it, it comes out good. Um, as we're making the record and doing the parts, we're going, wow, these are weird, and how are we going to sing over this? And, Doug, how, can, how are you going to get a melody out of this? And, you know, we're trying to 
thinking that, wow, this is kind of maybe too much, you know, but we were, <laughs> but we were having so much fun pasting and, and just, just making up parts and putting them together and, you know, making them make sense that, uh, that we forgot about that. It's like kids in the candy store. I mean, I'd make up a riff or, or uh, Ray would do a drum pattern and George would just come up with a, something. It was just like, no matter what anybody did, somebody could build something up around it, you know, and, and that was the fun of it. We're just eager to go. Yeah, I had well, a lot of fun making this record. Um, people think there's a lot of thought in it, but I, I find myself personally that everything that I've ever done that sounded like I took a lot of thought in is when I didn't. I just let my hands and head just go where it was, where it wanted to go, and that and it becomes that. That's that's the kind of people I like to play with because I don't like to plan anything or. Uh, I'm a control freak. I don't like I don't like somebody to come in and have it already done. I want to have fun exploring and finding it myself, and I want other people to find it themselves too. I I, I kind of look at music that way. Yeah, I used to not do that in the older days. I used to be a control freak and write everything and want everybody to do exactly what I wanted. And I realized that that was just stupid. Yeah. Now, now Ray is a very different drummer to say Jerry. Um, was it difficult in the beginning to, to like get in sync with the way Ray played? Not at all. Um, not at all. They're, they're totally different drummers, but, you know, um, Ray just has so many things going on that that it's inspiring to find a pattern within all the beats that he's doing, which makes it sort of, makes me feel like I'm creating something rather than making up a riff. And then somebody just plays along with me, you know. And and, uh, and with King's X, Jerry's a more simple drummer, and so I can lay on to whole notes all the time, you know. And that's where our connection is, and I think that's you know that's a part of the King's X thing. Um, with Ray, you know, I can't play that way because he's a different kind of drummer, and which I welcome. You know, I just love playing bass. It's, it's I love it so much. I almost don't want to speak, you know. Yeah. Now. The album's not only very varied, it, like, it's one of these albums, I think, that you're not going to get it the first time. You might even get it the fifth or the sixth time. And the other thing I notice is it's very, very long. Um, did any of you think that you had actually too many songs on the record? Yeah, I did all the time. It was like, when we got to, like, 10, I'm going, we done? And going, no, <laughs> And then I'm going, oh, we need one for Japan. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, and we we get done with the, you know, I remember I think we had the last two, we were, we were done. We didn't have, we, were, we thought we were finished and George calls up and says, dude, I don't think we got enough songs. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. We, had this, we just got to do two more. And he just all frantic and so we go back in and do the same thing. Just take two days and just have fun. And then I thought to myself, this is going to be a long record. And you know it is. And you know, that's life, I guess, you know, you just, that's the way we make music, you know, you got to invest in it, in we year, win or lose, you know. Yeah, you sound like someone, Doug, who much prefers to, to write in a room with the guys with you in the room, rather than, you know, sharing files and then creating the song that way. Would that be right? Well, I, I used to love sharing files and, and doing my own demos. It was, I think it was the ego thing, you know, where I'd, I'd do the drum parts, the bass, guitar, everything, harmony, and I'd say, here's a, here's a song I wrote, and we have to go in and learn it. 
And but King's ex child was the same way. He wrote complete songs and then we went in and did them and, and the, between both of us and Jerry also always had a complete song. So when we were going to the studio, that's kind of what made King's X. But as we started making records, about into the fifth record, we just decided to start writing together. And so we write the same way now. We'll sit down and 15 minutes later, we got a song. We don't have vocals or a melody, but we got a song down. And it's just fun. And when we've been doing the same thing through the years. So I've, I've learned, or maybe I'm just more from one thing to the other. You know, because I, I, you know, I don't think that either way is bad. It's just, I'm just finding full circle kind of a thing, you know. Yeah. Now, does songwriting in, for you come easily? Or is it something that, like, you perspire over over time? Do you ever get writer's block? Um, not really. I get lyric writer's block. I can I'll, I can write songs all day long, but but then sometimes I'll have like ten songs with no lyrics, and I'm sitting there and I keep playing, and going, I can't think of nothing, and I pressure myself, <laughs> and then you know, and that's that's a nightmare for me. Is what have I got to say? What have I not said? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? And who cares? <laughs> you know, and why should I care? And and then sometimes I go, who really cares about what I'm going through anyway? You know? <laughs> and so I sit there and go, what do I say about it? You know, and I go, I don't know. But something always comes. You know, that's what, that, I think that's the joy for me when I find lyrics. And then I get a chorus and I go, wow. Okay, because that's a hardest thing for me. It's just, just uh, almost like I hold my breath. You know, because I long just to, I, you know, my dream is to write that chorus that the whole world sings along with, you know, I mean, don't we all? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I strive for that when I write a chorus, and, and I've heard some of the greatest choruses in the world, you know, and, and they're all out there, you know, but uh, it's just a, you know, dream that keeps me writing, keeps me pushing. Um, if I ever had a number one hit, I don't know what I'd do, because it's like, okay, now what do I do? And I don't want to. I want to keep doing this. I love the struggle of trying to write a good song. I love the struggle of writing a song where people like. <laughs> I don't know what a good song is anymore. Oh man! Yeah, when when you know, when you're writing your lyrics, Doug, are you writing lyrics against music that's already been written, or you just kind of have things that pop into your in your head? You kind of get words and yeah. you match it up. I literally just play the instrumental, you know, rough mix just all the time. And all of a sudden, through the day, or a week later, a month later even, I'll hear this melody, mm. you know. and or, or I'll be watching TV or something, and somebody will say something which triggers a, a phrase. Right. Or I'll say something to a friend, just a, like an old saying, you know what I'm saying, in a way that it sounds like an old saying. And you go, man, that could be a chorus. And so I just kind of, you know, I remember those things while I'm writing lyrics. I don't do it outside of that because it's like I forget them. Uh -huh. But uh, when you're in the middle of that gear of, well, I got to write lyrics, but I haven't written that in three days, and you just hang out with somebody, and something comes up, and, and you hear these words in your head, mm. you know, that's where they come. I just wait for it to come. Right. And uh, it usually does, you know. I can't make it come quicker. I wish I could, but... You know, there's people that can write a lyric in a second just yeah. do it. And I go, oh, I can't. You know, I've got to word it right. Right. Because usually, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. And I don't don't want 
people to misunderstand what I'm saying, even though those are the two things that are mark of success. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be interesting with uh, with both you and George, you know, doing a lot of writing because you know you're both pretty prolific. Last time when we were we were up with George, he just all of a sudden, the middle of the set, he started like jamming. He was like, "Yeah, wait a minute, tape this," and took the phone and he just started jamming out a little riff and went, "All right, you got that, okay." And then he then he continued on with this set again. So, and and you know, I know from your reputation, you're just as prolific with coming up stuff. And does that kind of uh, are you able to to work that through between you and George and and what you guys write? All I can say is working with George is that's exactly how it works. Hmm. We all do that, but George is a ringleader at it. He, I mean, he'll stop the show. And I don't know, I mean, we'll be working on a riff and he'll just stop and I came up with this and he'll play it and we'll go, that's badass and just record it. And we'll record it and then we'll finish up what we're doing and then revisit it later. Mm. You know, but yeah, George has these brainiacs and we have to categorize them or else we'll lose them all. Yeah. Chris, uh, Collie, an engineer and producer, he works with George all the time. So he understands George's, um, genius when it comes to, uh, not being able to remember things or put things in character or forget what he did, you know, because he, he just, he plays off the top of his head all the time and he, he forgets what he's playing. And that's what makes his wits just so amazing. But, um, uh, so Chris would, you know, go back and say, hey, remember this part or that part? So yeah, my point is just like you were saying when you were with him, it's the same situation. Yeah. And it's kind of nuts too, because sometimes he'll be playing something. And and then he then he does just that, you know, stops and goes, Wow, check it's like, wait a minute, you were playing one thing while your brain was working on a totally different killer thing and it's just it's mind blowing that he can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine working with him. It's, it's <laughs> fun. Because it's comedy too. You know, we make fun of each other and we laugh at each other and and uh <laughs> That's, you know, the more you tell me about George and you being with him, the more I'm thinking about all the things that we've done and I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, he's a character. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, Doug, was was there one song on this record that, you know, you were a little uncomfortable with the way it was going, that you maybe thought it was a little bit outside your comfort zone? Like, I'm thinking maybe, I'm going to have a stab here and say maybe Calypso.
that was the last song. And I struggled with that song to the point where I called him up and I said, we're dropping this song. <laughs> I said, I can't come up with nothing. I said, I'm done. I was like, it was, I was working on it for a good while and it was just frustrating me. And uh, so, yeah, literally, I said, just, it, it sucks. And I, I even told him, I said, dude, forget this song. And um, they said, no, let's just keep on working on it, Doug. And um, so, you know, and then I said, I asked George to come over and say, okay, this part, this one part is so weird. I go, what would you sing here, George? Because I said, I can't find a melody. These chords just don't make sense. And what he did was he, he hung the melody that didn't hit the chords. It was like he sung it before the chord changed. And I, it was like, duh. And so at that point, I realized, oh, okay. And then he went home and then I figured out how to do it. It was just, I just needed guidance to where to place it. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing was the song, we call it Calypso, um, because we named every song. Uh, 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 Scatterbrain was the name of the song. And then when I wrote lyrics for it, the, the mock name seemed to work. So I just sang it. But uh, Calypso is the same way. I'm going, what the heck am I going to do with this? So I, I go online and I looked up what Calypso means. And it was a goddess that, a mermaid goddess that was seduced man and taken to an island and, killed, and have sex with until they died. And then she'd go find another one. And uh, so I thought, to the ocean, we come to love Calypso. And I thought, wow, that, that works. And so I just kind of laughed at it. And I'm thinking, this is really stupid. And... Uh, and so, and that's how it happened. And it was like, well, what do you do with this? And so, and I had lyric, I had verses that had nothing to do with the chorus. And but when you put them two, the two, when you put the two together, it works. And I mean, that's how we write music. Is, is we just throw things in the pile because it all comes in the same place. Like Chinese food, you mix it up and it just tastes a little bit less this way or that way. But it's it's the same. Does that make sense? Am I babbling too much? Yeah. So, so do you think, Doug, there's going to be any live shows at all in the future? Because this album seems to have done well out of the gate as well. Oh, uh, yeah. But when George, I'm sorry, when Ray gets off tour with Corn, then we hopefully can focus on doing some shows. But until then, we can't do anything because he's on the road with Corn right now for about a year. Okay. So I just got a couple of questions before we let you go. Um, sure. We had Red Beach on a while ago, and we talked to him a little bit about the Mob record. Now he said he'd yeah. love. He said he'd love to do another one. What about you? Would you like to do another one? Yeah, me too. In fact, I think we talked about it about five or six years ago, but nothing ever pursued. You know, it's always somebody's got to take their own. Yeah. <laughs> say, okay, let's do. It. We're like little kids. Say, let's do some. Okay, and then we're floating around chasing butterflies. And, and so, so hopefully he'll call. I'll, I'll send him another message and say, "Hey, Red, are we going to do this or what?" Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure Front, yeah, I'm sure Front, yeah, I'm sure Frontiers would uh, probably like to release something because they released the first one. Well, I would say they released it in the world, though. You can only get it in uh, Italy, I think. People tell me they can't find it anywhere. So. Yeah, yeah. I got, I picked it up years ago. It is hard to find. Yeah. 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 So, um, what about the future with King's X? It's been a long time since you did a. You went into the studio. Is there anything planned there? Yeah, we're getting ready to have a meeting next week and figure it all out to make a new record. Okay, great. And I'm excited about it. I, we all are. It's been a long time. Yeah, was it 2008? 
Yeah, well, we've been touring all the time since then. I yeah. mean, we haven't stopped at all when we've been playing all the time and having a good time, but we just never felt inspired to make another record at, at the moment. It was just we needed a break from writing songs and just go play and just, you know. Yeah, and of course, like, one last question for me. Um, we had Ty Tabor on a couple of years ago and we went through the whole King's X discography and, and he said that the, the hardest album for him to do was Ear Candy. So what would be your hardest King's X record? Oh, Gretchen. Gretchen? Yeah. Wow. Oh my God, that was, I, I can't even listen to that record to this day. Oh my God. That 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 pulled my heart, my soul, and everything else. The, the our producer and just the time of my life and the things that I was going through personally and everything. Oh my God! It, it, you know, it took us a month to make the record. You know, I can't deal with being in a studio more than two weeks. I start to lose my mind, and so it was. Um, yeah, that's my record. Wow. Wow, that's a oh, poor, poor Ty. Your candy for me was a funny. Yeah, Ty. T- the reason Ty said it was the record label were pressuring you guys to try and write a hit single, and he didn't like that. Yeah, well, I have a song I wrote in uh, last year of uh, Your Candy. I wrote it in your song, and none of them were. So I said, you know, screw this. And you just said, screw it all and go do what you want to do. And, you know, I love some of those songs on Your Candy. Yeah, it's it's my favorite King's X record. What do you say? It's my favorite King's X record. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, Every record reflects, you know, what we're going through at the time and what's going on. Um, I always have. We're too emotional to to be consistent, you know. Mm, Yeah. No, you know it is pretty amazing though with this, you know, with this second album, the uh, the amount of uh, of press coverage and the amount of social media talk and all of that. And does that surprise you at all? Just a, a little label up in New Hampshire. I mean, they're about twenty miles away from us to to be able to have um, just you know, especially the way the music industry is today, to just have so much available promotion for for this album. Oh, for the KXM. Mm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like, I'm kind of freaking out just because I haven't seen that in, in, since my early career, you know, the, the buzz, the, the, all the stuff, the, the billboard charts, the, everything that's happening with it, um, it's real exciting, and it is, for me, you know, I'm 66 years old, but I've been doing this a long time, and to get my second, third, or fourth wind is, is all good for me, you know, I mean, King's actually did Gretchen, and people loved it, and we did Dogman, and it was like, you know, I'm going, wow, we're still pushing it on, you know, and, and, you know, to be able to do KXM and have people get that excited like they did in the old days makes me really happy because I just want to keep doing this. Yeah, no, it is pretty amazing, and, and it's been great that the way that you guys have, you know, really been doing a lot of the social media stuff, and the videos, too, are really great because I've been able to go and, and show people, you know, on YouTube and go, you got to check this band out, and they, they watch it, and there's at least, you know, one of the three that you put out there that hits everybody. And they're just like, where do these guys come from? And and uh, it's it's kind of in a way, it's a little disappointing to see how many people are just dis- disconnected <laughs> from the music industry. But it's great to to see them just hook into what you guys do and and uh, and just really like it. And I think it's uh, just pretty inspiring that you guys are able to make such great music coming from some disparate backgrounds and all that, and just be able to hook people into what you want to do. 
thanks. You know, sound, the thing about nowadays is that everything kind of sounds timeless. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you put you put Jimmy Hendrix on and you put Stevie Ray Vaughan on and doing something doesn't know the difference. It's all, he, he's there to choose it as what it is, not time period. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I love it when kids, you know, young ones will put on our first couple of records and you listen to them on these little little pod things or these JBL bullets and stuff, and it does sound good, <laughs> you know. Back in the day, it, you know, it sounded dated and, you know what I'm saying, the, the analog way, but now everything is just kind of kind of smoothed out. And so, you know, you can pick and choose, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. And kids just love discographies. They love to go and listen to everything that you've done, which is right there available. Right, exactly, yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us tonight, Doug. It's been great. I've been waiting a long time to uh, to talk to you, and I know Richie's been uh, waiting a long time to get that final uh, third notch on the King's X belt as well, <laughs> so he's a happy camper tonight. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much, and thanks for a great album, too. All right, Doug. Have, have a good rest of the night. Okay, you too. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye. Talk with Doug Pinnock of King's X and, of course, KXM. A couple of uh, KXM samples in there from Scatterbrain. And, of course, we rounded out that interview with a track off of the uh, the Mob album. The title of that track is Never Get Enough. And uh, just want to throw out all of the social media links just to give a little bit of a shout-out and thanks to Doug. And, of course, you can hook up with Doug at his official website, DougNation.net. But that is D-U-G nation.net you can interface with kxm at uh, facebook.com slash kxm official and if you haven't already done so then you uh, probably want to 
order up the brand new Scatterbrain release. And you can get that at ratpackrecordsamerica.com slash KXM. Lots of different formats up there if you want to get them because Rat Pack always does a great job with the packages. There's the limited edition uh, vinyl version of that, which is pretty cool. You've also got the uh, hand-autographed CD bundle. You've got a CD and T-shirt bundle. So uh, good stuff up there. And, of course, you can get other KXM merch while you're up there at Rat Pack Records. You can also get the uh, KXM release at uh, at Best Buy. And, of course, they have it on Amazon. So be sure to pick up a copy of it. It's pretty good. Uh, of course, as Richie alluded to, it is long. So maybe uh, maybe take it in bite-sized chunks till you get your favorite tracks off of there. But definitely a very varied album, as, uh, as one would expect from the likes of George Lynch and Doug Pinnock. So uh, next week, another great interview coming up for you as uh, Richie sat down with Bobby Blitz from Overkill. Richie made a trek out to the Worcester Palladium a few weeks ago, and uh, the label had invited him out there to uh, drop by the uh, tour stop as Overkill came through town. Had a little sit-down with Bobby Blitz, and uh, that is what is on tap next week. Great interview by Richie. Lots of good stuff, and uh, Bobby was in a great mood. Very talkative. So, uh, yep, that is what you will expect for Focus on Metal next week. But for this week, that is a wrap. So uh, for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.